0: We're just over halfway through the Blue Jays 2022 season, and it's hard to fully describe Trauma's first half. But Ethan Diamandis and I, Mitch Bannon, are going to try to do it on this episode of the podcast. After bantering about the upcoming MLB draft and the prospect futures game, we give out some first half letter grades to players and then briefly hit on some potential pitching trade options for the coming weeks. That and more on this episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Ethan, together this morning, uh, which is Thursday, we put out a story to kind of start our draft coverage for the year. Uh, The draft's in a few weeks, but uh, we both looked at collectively ten pitchers that the Blue Jays could take, probably with their first-round pick uh, at twenty-third overall. Who was one of the the five guys you kind of looked into and wrote up that really stuck out? Stuck out as a potential Blue Jays draft pick
1: for for a draft that's not exactly packed with, you know, early starting pitching talent. I still had quite a bit of fun scouring uh, scouting reports and, you know, perfect game data. And even looking at MLB's combine data, though it's, it's a little like sketchy and hard to, to, to read. There is some uh, significant data we could pull from that. So I was really impressed. Um, I'll start with one guy, a college arm named Connor Prelip. Uh, he's a left-hander that's coming off Tommy John. But he's actually quite far removed from Tommy John. He had it, I believe, in spring of 2021, and he had an option to return for the 2022 season, but decided not to, decided he's going to prepare for the draft by throwing bullpens and doing other stuff. He's kind of like uh, elbows and arms and limbs kind of lefty that uh, he went to Alabama, first of all. Uh, And and he's considered quite a a top prospect. So he's one of them. I think Toronto could be interested in at 23. Another guy is um, a big physical high schooler by the name of Robbie Snelling. He played football in high school. He looks like an absolute unit. Uh, He throws hard. He's only 18 or 19, right? High school age. Um, He's a really intriguing talent, a guy that obviously would need more time to develop as most high school arms do. And he strikes me as kind of a raw physical guy that could use a little massaging in terms of the finesse and and the ways of pitching, but um, a really, really intriguing talent. And I imagine he'll be one of the first high schoolers off the board. So those two guys stood out to me. I don't know what you saw in your analysis, but uh, maybe you had some favorites too. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned an arms and shoulders and legs lefty
0: my favorite guy of the guys I looked at was uh, on arms and shoulders and limbs everywhere, lefty too. Uh, Oregon State College starter by the name of Cooper Jerpy. There's a, there's a silent H at the beginning there. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. We'll, maybe we'll, we'll find out how to pronounce it in the coming weeks. Um, but from what I kind of understood, he's got a really, and, and from watching, he's got an interesting delivery. It's very much kind of just above sidearm. And there's a lot of questions of whether or not that's going to be able to play as like a 200-inning starter or even a 180- 180 inning starter Uh, but i kind of understand like the the volatility of him is like the ceiling is chris sale like it's that kind of stuff that kind of durability and that kind of weird funky arm slot if he can keep it up and even the floor is like a aaron loop really funky lefty reliever who can make it work so i I love the variance there and i love like the potential options uh, of what you can do with a guy like that Uh, i don't know if the blue jays are as that kind of inclined to take guys with that much variance. Maybe with their pitchers, they're a little more
1: high floor based, but it would be interesting if they took Chirpy for sure. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he doesn't have the temperament of Chris Sale as uh, <laughs> oh, that clip. Guys, as we've come to, to learn. So we're recording this podcast um, today is July 7th. It's a Thursday. Uh, last night, I guess it was. Chris Sale was caught on uh, on video taking it to the uh, clubhouse ceiling, ripping out like uh, the ceiling panels and smashing bats. And he was actually, I think, well, he's long enough that he was able to kick up. I think he kicked the ceiling. Um, So impressive. I mean, we know this guy has a temper. Uh, He, you know, was famous for, I believe, cutting the collars off of one of Chicago's alternate jerseys when he didn't want to wear them. He went and just said, I'm going to take scissors and destroy every single one of them, which is a kind of an interesting move and definitely effective, but uh, no doubt extreme. So, I mean, Mr. Jerpy, I hope he's a little bit uh, more composed. Um, and I imagine he is not everyone's Chris sale.
0: Yeah. I, uh, speaking of composed, if you're going to successfully wager on some baseball or any sport, you're probably going to need to be composed or some people like betting with their gut, I think, but uh We'll thank on that note. We'll thank our sponsor for today's episode, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, which has already passed, uh, and then all the other sports, including Major League Baseball and fighting news, and even early NFL futures for next season. You can head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus if you use our promo code, which is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, all caps, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Uh, speaking of getting in on the action, two Blue Jays prospects are going to get in on the All-Star festivities next week. Um, that was one of my finest uh, segues of all time, I will say right now. Now I've ruined it by saying that. But yes, Ricky Tiedemann and Josper Zulueta will be heading out west in just a few days now to participate in the MLB futures game. What was your reaction to seeing those two guys representing the Jays farm system?
1: Um, Tiedemann is not a surprise. Ricky's been dominant in the blue Jays sphere and then to a national level. And to a point where he's getting kind of the praise that he deserves popped up to, I believe it was number 65 on MLB pipelines, latest top 100. It's a big jump considering he started the season. I mean, not on the list at all, Again, with a grain of salt, take those rankings as you will, but still significant. Um, I think I'm a little surprised that Zulueta is is representing Toronto in this tournament. I mean, he's a guy who is coming off Tommy John. Um, he's 24, so he's a little bit older. It, I think that pick is more symbolic of uh, he's just a fun talent, right? Like he he throws a 100. He has a sharp slider you know, he's like a, a, like a big kind of mean mound presence. Like he's just, he's everything you'd want in like a, like a Louis Severino or like a top of the top of the rotation type guy. Like he has the the fundamentals to do that kind of stuff. And maybe he doesn't quite have the innings. Um, I mean, I think he's only thrown 37 innings this year.
0: Yeah. Um, something around
1: that. Yeah. But over 50 strikeouts, like he's um, definitely got the stuff. He doesn't quite have the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I guess the reps to be perhaps deserving of this tournament, but again, it's a it's a tournament that's about the future, right? It's about potential, and you know, not everyone who competes in this tournament will be, you know, a functional big leaguer or even a big leaguer in general. So, um, definitely exciting. I mean, how do you how do you think Ricky Tiedemann is going to do? He's he's excelled at traditional competition, but this tournament could be a chance for him to face the best of the best. Yeah, obviously we're a little Blue Jays biased, but I think. It'd be interesting to see him start that game.
0: I don't know if he'd be the first guy in. I'm sure a guy like Brian Bello, who's just mm-hmm. made his MLB debut, is probably going to get the nod to open that game or maybe someone a little higher up. But uh, I think it's fun. I think they're definitely deserving. I think it speaks to the state of the Blue Jays system, uh, at least the guys performing this year where it's two arms. Like Obviously, Aurelvis Martinez is a top-ranked prospect. Jordan Groshens is there. But the guys having the big, flashy seasons are these pitchers. I think it'll be interesting to see how Zulueto looks coming out of the bullpen, because that's maybe something blue chase fans will be clamoring for as soon as this year. Like if he's going to be throwing 99 and comes out of the bullpen, throwing a hundred that this futures game, it's going to raise a lot of flags for potential options in September this year, maybe.
1: Yeah. I think that's kind of what everyone wants. Um, but you remember who else came out of the, came into the futures game and, Reared back and chucked 102 miles an hour. It was Nate Pearson, yep. right? And we it was haven't... the last
0: pitcher to, to go for the Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, so remember that, and that was mighty impressive. I mean, I don't, I don't think Nate's ever hit 102 in a major league game. I think he's gotten to 101 last year against the Yankees when he was thrown out of the bullpen. Like I think was...
0: 101.8
1: is the hardest oh.
0: pitch in Blue Jays history.
1: The only reason I know
0: that is because I was looking up that for uh, some potential relief options in the upcoming draft who
1: could maybe set the hardest thrown pitch in blue jays history Ah, a teaser to a story that's coming up soon for si.com um yeah that uh that was fun to see pearson do that and obviously his trajectory has not been um kind of what toronto hoped but the idea of using zulueta out of the major league bullpen come september is really it's a really fun idea and i think you know they promoted him so quickly like he did he he started this year in Dunedin, didn't he? Or did he start yeah. in Vancouver? He's gotten two promotions already. Three yeah. starts, I think, in Dunedin, six starts in
0: Vancouver. Now he's up to double A. Yeah.
1: They're just flying up, uh, him up the system. So um, you know, he his stuff may end up down the line playing better out of the bullpen. Um, kind of like
0: Nate Pearson.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> hopefully um, a little more durable. Yeah, I mean clearly Toronto's really wanting to keep its options open and not limit their young starters to a bullpen role, you know, right away, even if it might be best for the team. Um, yeah, so, so, so we'll see, uh, that's exciting. That's, that's on July 17th. We'll come, uh, and we'll have a, you know, some kind of recap for you guys, uh, on our website. Um, but the more important recap, I think at this point in time, uh, is the first 81 games of the season. You know, we're just, I think we're at 82 now. So uh, just a little bit past the halfway point for this Blue Jays season. And um, disappointing isn't the word, a a proper word, but, you know, Toronto's eight games above 500, seven games above 500. You would have expected Toronto at this point with the hopes, the high hopes they had in spring training to perhaps be doing a little bit better. But Um, given the circumstances of the season, I mean, looking how good the Yankees are looking how competitive the American league East is, uh, it's still a solid first half for Toronto. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a disappointment. Maybe some more critical, uh, Twitter personalities might, um, I'm not ready to go there yet. Mitch, what have you seen through 81?
0: Yeah. I think if they do this, it's weird. Cause yeah, I would also not call it a disappointment. Maybe we're just too optimists, but. Like if they do this again in the second half, then I think it would be like a disappointing season, but I don't necessarily call it a disappointing first half because they're still in like really good shape. They're like going eight and two in their next 10 away from being the third best team in the American League, maybe even closer to Houston for that two spot. They're in like really good playoff position. They just have to start playing a little better. I think the vibes would be good if they just started winning a few more ball games. You don't have to ask for like a drastic improvement overall it's just a few more wins here and there like if you're going to go six and four in your next 10 maybe go seven and three this time and then it it just makes everything feel a little bit better but yeah i would say there's kind of an aura of like unknown around what's going to happen over the next few weeks heading into the deadline and i think the second half will truly be what defines this season
1: yeah i uh I I, I agree with you. I think they're on pace for less than 90 wins right now, though, or just around there. That would be less than 90, I think. At that point, you could probably call it a disappointment. But like you said, all it takes is a hot stretch. Like, look where Toronto was before September last season. And, you know, they ran into – they were the best team in baseball in September, arguably. So um, that stuff can happen. But um, when you go go for a player-by-player breakdown, I suppose – Um, You can kind of see where the holes are in this team or where some improvements can be made. Um, So Mitch and I have both kind of taken a look at a couple guys, and I think we'll start, hmm, let's start maybe in the middle. So Mitch, who do you have as maybe your B-grade player?
0: Yeah, my B-grade, starting in the middle with this guy is kind of funny, but my B-grade player is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which is, it's kind of funny to, I don't know how you kind of went about your grades, but mine are like relative to the specific player and kind of what we were thinking about them coming into the season, what we were thinking, what we know they can do. Obviously, Vladimir Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not a B-level player in the status of Major League Baseball. But just compared to last year, he's kind of on a B or B plus season. Like it's the OPS is over 800. You probably want it to be closer to 900, but he's not on pace for 48 home runs. He's on pace for like 38 home runs. Everything's really good, but not quite the full stats we would want to see from Vladimir. But I think it's like all kind of there and just kind of like the blue Jays there. It's not disappointing. He's just a hot stretch away from being right where we kind of thought he would be. And I think one kind of positive for him is that the defense has been really, really good and he's been pretty durable. I think he only got his second day off of the season uh, during that Oakland stretch. And he's like ranking well above average on outs of outs above average at first base. And it, it's kind of all there for Vlad. It's just like we know, know he can do better.
1: Yeah. We're not, they're by no means, actually, you know what? Book it, quote it. Mitch said Vlad's a B level player in Major League <laughs> Baseball. Yeah, put the bet online, uh, the B-level player, Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's not a B-level player, but I get what you mean. Temperature expectations. Um, we'd like to see, the. I guess, the power. I mean, his OBP has been there, right? It's It's been more kind of his early in the season. There were some launch angle issues, a lot of ground balls. He was swinging missing a little bit more. Um Overall, though, I think he's still pretty reliable. I think that's just kind of been like the the diagnosis for the entire team is just like guys have been good, but there's no, one's really been great or so consistent that they've, you know, made themselves great. Besides Alejandro Kirk, he's been the only guy that has really just taken, you know, a hot stretch and carried it over and kept going and built off of it. It seems like everyone else comes and, you know, these high waves that come up and come down and, um, I think Santiago Espinal is one of those guys who started kind of on a, a, a really high tidal wave, if you may, to keep with said wave analogies. Um, so Espinal is a guy that I gave a grade of uh, a B I thought, you know, at the start, he, he showed off a little bit more, I guess, exit velocity. He had, he came into the season first looking a lot stronger. Um, and he hit a few more home runs. He hit some doubles, um, that unfortunately hasn't carried over much beyond the first little part of the season uh, he's continued with the doubles he's still hitting uh quite a few doubles um he's striking out a little bit less which is good to see than last seat compared to last season he's playing solid defense uh which we knew he would i mean i think he was in the 90 something percentile last year he's there again this season uh, and he's played you know actually a surprising amount around the diamond i figured he might have you know, taking a couple off days for Boat short, but he's also, you know, when Kevin Biggio has been in the lineup, he's moved over to third. Matt Chapman's dealt with a wrist issue this year. So he's taken a little bit more time off, I think than maybe your traditional Matt Chapman season. Um, Espinal though has been prone to cold stretches. I know, you know, the month of June um, the whole team was pretty hot. I don't think Espinal was very hot. I think he's uh, a guy who goes through these cold spells. um, And now because of those, you know, he's averaged out to, um, you know, having a lower average exit VLO uh, overall, like, you know, he, his, his savant page is a little blue in that section. Um, and overall his average is down from last season. So um, I think a B again, he might actually be a B level player, but also a B in terms of, um, I guess, expectations from what we saw at the start of the year.
0: Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that grade he's kind of exactly what I think we would have thought Santiago Espinal's season would be like, even though he's had those really high highs and kind of a bit of a cold stretch, it's kind of averaging out to what I think we would have thought. He's just playing a lot more than I think people thought, which is great. Like you're being what we thought you would just in a larger sample size. He's on pace to be like a 2.5 word player, which has like your eighth or ninth most important hitter is great. Like you take two and a half war from a guy like that every single time, even he might push three if he gets on another heater Uh, here, do you want to go up or down with my next guy? Let's go up. Okay. I got two A grades. I'll choose. I'll start with this one. George Springer is a guy I gave eight flat. I have another guy I gave a minus two. Springer's my A. Not quite A plus just because he's not, doesn't have 140 OPS plus like we know he can do. And he's not hitting like 50 home runs, but he's right there. And I think the key and like kind of what I'm basing this grade around is that Springer's played 74 of the Jays first half games. And like, that was the key to George Springer's season. He's done it with the same kind of production we knew he was going to, but it's being on the field. It was kind of maybe what cost the Blue Jays a playoff spot last year, but it's not costing them one this year because he's played in almost every game. He's took like about a week off collectively over the season, which is what we thought. I thought maybe they might give him even more rest than he's getting. The DH days probably certainly make up for a little bit of that rest, but, He's still got 15 first-half homers on pace for around 30. And he's also been clearly the leader of this team. Like He's the guy who called the players only meeting early in the year when the offense wasn't hitting. We've learned that he was the guy who kind of took Vlad aside and say, hey, man, you're not having that much fun. Like, why aren't you having fun? And kind of Vlad credits that to one of his hot streaks this year. And then we learned a couple of days ago that he's also a guy who took Matt Chapman aside after he was clearly kind of forcing the issue the first couple of weeks and said, hey, man, we know who you are we know what kind of hitter you are. You don't have to prove anything to us. So like you you don't have to hear too many stories or be around the team for too much to understand that George Springer is truly the leader of this team. And if you weren't going to give him an A for the on-field performance, I think that definitely bumps him into the A grade.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Springer's not hitting home runs at the pace he was last season, uh, which was like incredible. And I think that set the bar pretty high, but yeah, his, his off the field presence, I think is underrated. Uh, He is an extraordinary leader. He's a unique leader. I will say that Uh, he's very easygoing and he's a little silly sometimes. You wouldn't really expect him um, perhaps to be the commanding leader he is, but uh, he can do it. And I think when the stakes are high and when the team needs him, he's a guy that steps up Um, in keeping with the, the A-level grade and another guy who I think if he isn't really a leader right now, he will be soon uh, is Kevin Gosman. I think Kevin Gosman's worthy of an A grade this season. He's uh, his ERA is, you know, two, eight, two, eight, six. Uh, he's been the FIP God. woohoo! Uh, 1.68 FIP this season. He's limited home runs. He's got the lowest walk rate of his career. Um, and he has that kind of ACE style presence. I mean, you have Alec Manoa. He no doubt he is a a workhorse ACE type of uh, mound presence, but I think Kevin Gosman has it a little bit too, you know, he's got a little bit of fire, you know, he'll, he'll bark back to an umpire. You know, he, he shows some emotion. He gets fired up. He has kind of that swagger on the mound and that level of focus and determination, not, uh, not just, you know, once he gets on the Hill, but, you know, afterwards and before, because he's a guy who's diligently mapping out his starts beforehand. He does a lot of research. And then after the starts, he's usually quite critical of himself, you know, and he realizes, he can break down where things went wrong or what he feels like he could have done better. No doubt. I feel like if he looks, he'll probably, this is overly simplistic, but he's given up too many hits this year. I I think that's, it's a product of a few starts where teams have gotten to him, no doubt, but um, his 9.6 hits per nine, that's the most since 2019 for him. And in 2019, he was not good. He pitched for Atlanta. He pitched for Cincinnati. He pitched out of the bullpen quite a bit. Uh, that. Needs to come down, I think, for Gosman to be even more effective. Um, but otherwise, you know, from what we heard about Gosman, from you know the research we did before the season, we've seen the chase rate. That's probably even been better than we expected. Uh, the splitter has been awesome, one of the best pitches in baseball. So I think he's matched expectations, and that's why he gets an A grade. Yeah, I think matched expectations for sure. He's been kind of adver- as advertised
0: from the swing and miss perspective the splitter has been very fun to watch especially when it's on there's been like the bumps in the road that i think we maybe thought a guy like Osmond would have when he's really only throwing two pitches it'll be interesting to see the second half because the second half was the issue last year people kind of maybe thought that that was because teams learned what he was doing in his first really full season as a starter Evidently, they didn't learn it because he just came to Toronto and it's also been really good for most of his starts. So, we'll, we'll see what happens in the second half of this year. Uh, and I'm going to stick in the rotation. I'm going to go down a couple of grades, a couple of grades, a lot of grades. Um, so we can I end know on a who good it one. <laughs> it's uh, Alec Manoa He's getting an F from me because he's not first in Cy Young voting. Uh, no, I'm going to give a confusing D to Yusei Kikuchi, is what I have it written down here. And I don't know how many times you kind of have to hash out the Yusei Kikuchi story. It's like every two weeks, it's kind of the same dialogue where it's, it's not going great. He's really not throwing strikes. There's a lot of walks, but then there's the glimmer of hope. There's the one start. He's got four starts this year where he's gone five or more innings and let up one or fewer runs. Like that's like every kind of, it seems like every four or five starts, he has that. And that's kind of what keeps us coming back. But then he's also got four outings he hasn't pitched three or more innings. Like it's kind of both sides of the equation. And the issue with him is like, everyone has those really good starts and the really bad starts. The ones in between have been a lot closer to the bad side. He's not really having any average starts. It's either kind of a disaster, not good or amazing. Like that's kind of the Kikuchi options. And I think they got to like figure out that middle ground. They got to figure out how to get five innings, two or three earned runs from Kikuchi. we'll we'll see if that happens we'll see if he's even in the rotation for the next rest of the year or in the foreseeable future but it's those middle starts that are going to be crucial for him and
1: and could maybe earn him a a c grade or a B grade if he figures those out we might be past the point of a b grade but yeah no with kikuchi it just it's sometimes it's just baffling like it's the he struggles 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 and then has that one good one like that like the Godfather three, like just when I thought I was out, (laughs) you pull me back in and he pulls out about that quote when I was writing that he, when he does that, you're like, what the hell, man, do this every time. Like you're a dominant pitcher. Good teams can't hit you. And then he goes to beautiful Oakland Coliseum and, you know, walks like three hitters hits two guys and the game's over. Like that. I think it was a lot That's more it. than three. I think he walked like six guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I really don't. I think, I think it's foolish for Toronto to let him make, well, foolish is harsh. Like I know everything, but uh, I think Toronto needs to seriously consider skipping his next start. That was on the table two starts ago. Then he had that really dominant one against Boston. Yeah, I can't place who it was against either. I'll look it up. Keep talking. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. Tampa, yes. Who was Tampa. It was against Tampa at Rogers Center. He was great. I know like again, what the hell. But now I, I I think it's not the walks that are the one-off. I think we know that you know that's been well established. It's not the command blow-ups that are the fluke. It's the good outings that are actually the fluke. So right now Toronto needs to um probably consider giving him some time off another guy who, you know, if Kikuchi a D then maybe Jose Barrios is like a C plus, but I also ranked Jose Barrios as a D. Um, I think we might be pushing Kikuchi down to like a D minus to give you room for. Barrios. I, yeah, I, I would back that. Um, Jose is another guy, another, what the hell guy, because at the start of the year, you no, know, it was it was there was actually he was the opening day starter. It was, you know, there was there were thoughts that this is a guy that's gonna be, you know, just as good as Kevin Gosman. He's gonna be the same type of pitcher. He signed a seven year extension, seven year extension, though I think there are opt-outs after four. Um for him, not for the blue jays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that's strange that we're even mentioning that part of the equation now. Yeah. Um, but he's just, he like. He's been batting practice. I don't know what else to say. Like he he leads ML or he leads the American league, I believe in hits allowed uh, earned runs and home runs allowed. Like that's not a recipe for success. He has a 5.44 ERA. He's made all his starts. I think that's like 17 or 18 starts. Um, So at least he's durable. I mean, he's never complained of an injury. I've talked to him and, you know, uh, I'm sure lots of people are trying to figure out what's wrong. And he assured me it is not health. He is doing okay. He's feeling fine, but he's having the worst season since his rookie career. I mean, or since his rookie, he's having the worst season since his rookie season. He's got a career worst strikeouts per nine at Mm 7.4. I think that's a almost, well, it's not a bigger problem than the hard contact, but it's, uh, there's a strong correlation between the lack of strikeouts for a guy who has historically struck a lot of people out um, with, you know, good off-speed, good two-seam fastball. That's not happening this year. It's just not. Guys are hitting him. Um, A D, I think, is fair for Jose. We'll see what the second half brings, but um, it's not looking good right now.
0: Yeah, I think,
1: like, with Jose,
0: there's even, like, it's kind of like the Kikuchi story where there's some really good starts looking back at the box score and then some really bad ones. But if we even look back at that first month, There was a bunch of starts where it's like, holy, Jose's getting a lot of like loud contact line drive outs and we're like, this is like not good. And we thought like, obviously it was like nothing. And then he would get back to being normal and he would continue to have the good starts without the loud contact, but it's kind of gone the other way where it's like those hits have just started to fall and there's been a bit of a disaster at times, but it's also like definitely, I, I personally am kind of encouraged with the last start and think he'll probably get on track, at least more than I'm confident in Kikuchi to do the same, just because like he has the whatever, every other year, except his rookie season track record. And and I think the Blue Jays and Barrios have kind of just been confused, about what the issue is. And once they kind of find it, it'll be business as usual. They just got to find it. It's the issue. And maybe it was the moving on the rubber, like he did last start where he dominated Oakland. But I think we probably want to see that against some better competition before we close the book on Jose Barrios. Um I'll go to my last guy. Uh, I'm going to finish on a high note. I don't know if you're going to finish on a high low, high note, but...
1: Mm-mm.
0: Okay, well, we'll finish with a sour note then. But uh, I got Jimmy Garcia at an A-. Yeah. And I think it's... The way I look at it is how like, happy are you with the contract with Jimmy Garcia right now, which is you got him for $5 million next year and then a $5 million team option the year after. And I think if you're the Blue Jays, you're thrilled to have that contract right now. It's just like the reliability... And the solid play he's given you is so needed in this bullpen. Like he's had two blowups where he's kind of blown the game and almost lost them in the game. But aside from that, he's been just like the exact same guy go outs, just gets his outs. The swing and miss is down for him. The chase rate is down, which is like an issue, but I don't think it would be an issue if like you had other guys doing it in the pen. It's only an issue because like everyone in the pens doesn't have the swing and miss right now. So, and you don't pay for baseball savant rankings, but, he ranks in like the top 10 percentile and like everything you would want him to like all the expected stats, all the hard hit stats, the control stats. He's right there. He's been everything they wanted and more. Obviously he's been hurt for a little bit. Maybe he joins the team in Seattle and gets back. But aside from the injuries, he's been like him and Romano and maybe Simber have been like the dudes in the bullpen this year.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you. A minus. I was a little skeptical on Jimmy at the start of the year because just wasn't striking anybody out. Um, but it's impossible to deny, you know, his effectiveness when you look at the box score and he gets, you know, consecutive scoreless outings and really shuts down any threat, uh, racing towards my last guy as we're kind of pushing the limit on time. Um, Beau Bichette worth mentioning. I gave him a C again, Mm -hmm. not a C level player. I'd call it a C level season for his standards. Um, I think he's like 104 OPS plus. That's not what you want. If you're Bo Bichette, I think it comes down to, you know, some of his on-base troubles um, amplifying this season. You know, he, he's got a 302 OBP, 729 OPS. That's, that's all right if you're Santiago Espinal, not if you're Bo Bichette. the exact same OPS as Espinal, or at least the same OPS plus. Oh, that's funny. Um, Bichette's on pace for almost 190 strikeouts. That's, uh, that's not good. Uh, He was set back by a very, very poor April, where his OPS was like 500-something. So that obviously is going to put you in a pretty big hole. I will say, though, the one thing I've noticed from Bichette, um, and the analytics don't exactly support this, um, but I think he looks a lot better on defense. I think he looks more confident, more fluid, um, just more composed. I think he's more comfortable as a shortstop. We're seeing less of those rushed, Air mail throws or or, or the uh, you know the, the bobbles that come from I don't know thinking too far ahead or, or thinking about the throw before you've received the ball. Um, he's a C at the plate though. He had a big home run uh, yesterday, Wednesday in in Oakland. So you know he's still good for those. He seems to be hitting some clutch home runs still. But um, overall, a C for him. Ping ponging back, I guess, to the starting rotation. We're quickly going to go through. Um, a few free agent, or excuse me, a few trade options for Toronto. I know that's pitching, pitching and pitching. Those are their three needs. Um, Mitch, who do you like as a starting pitcher trade option for Toronto at the moment? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to steal yours, but
0: I am big Jose Quintana guy. Mm-hmm. I know you recently wrote about him as a potential trade option for Yahoo, but like he's having a hell of a season. I think the issue with him is like before this year, he's had a few years of not being good. And so if the Pirates, and he's like, maybe their only big deadline trade move are looking to get a haul for Jose Quintana, I probably don't want to be the team who gives up that haul for the guy without the track record. So if you're going track record, I would lean maybe more a guy like Luis Castillo. We'll see what Frankie Montes' shoulder up, up with, and maybe you pay that price. But if you want to kind of go down the rankings, I think Quintana can be like, the SB three on this team. If he keeps this up, he's been so good for Pittsburgh and he brings like a different lefty look. Maybe you bump kakuchi to the bullpen. He takes over there.
1: Uh, yeah. I- I'm a Quintana guy at the right price. What about you? Yeah. I like Quintana as well. And it, like, it's not to say that he doesn't have a track record because he does. It's just been like seven years or like five or six years since he's been really good. Like yeah. he's, I think he got traded to Chicago at the deadline in 2017. And then gave a good run for them. Uh, I think a few years after, and then just like poof, nothing for a little while. Just he he moved to the bullpen at some point. And this mm-hmm. is something I made note of in my uh, in my piece for Yahoo recently. Was he's actually been successful out of the bullpen, like relatively successful. His strikeouts per nine go way up. Mm-hmm. I think Toronto honestly needs that kind of flexibility right now. Like if they aren't sure on Kikuchi, and if you know. Well, it's, it starts there with not being sure on Kikuchi. Of course, Stripling could move back to the rotation. But if you also, if you trade for a guy and, he, and it doesn't work out, you know he's got to have some flexibility to move to the bullpen, I think. So Quintana is a guy I think that could do that. He might not want to. And other teams might you know pick him up to be a guaranteed uh, starter in their rotation. I don't know who needs him more than Toronto, but um, I like the idea of some flexibility, a, a guy who can pitch in the bullpen. Uh, Another guy who can do that is Chad cool in Colorado. Uh, He has some experience pitching out of the bullpen. Um, He's had a kind of a wonky good season in Colorado. He's barely striking anybody out, but you know, he keeps the ERA down. Um, He's kind of high in walks, I think as well. Um, But again, still been successful through a complete game against the Dodgers.
0: That's impressive
1: by the looks of it. Complete game shutout of the Dodgers. Mitch Bannon. Um, that that's impressive. His fastball, not good, really, not really anything special. His slider, one of the best pitches in baseball. That was definitely my big takeaway from researching him. Um, it's like, I think Dylan C says the best slider per stat cast run value. So take that, you know, metric as you will, but I believe Chad cool was uh, second in, in, in the slider value. And then that was like the eighth best pitch in baseball or something like that tied for seventh. Um, Really, really kind of intriguing. It's, it's weird to be intrigued by kind of like a middling uh, like a, a middle tier Colorado starter, but that's just the state of the trade market right now. You know, there's no, last year it was Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, like there's some big, big names out there. Um, that could be, you know, that while well, they did get some decent trade packages, of course, Washington made the mistake of packaging them together, uh, which I don't know if I'm a GM, I don't know if I'm doing that, but uh cool's another guy uh, as we come down to our final minutes here do you have anyone else no i think it's like my big takeaway is that i, I like these flexible
0: guys the cantana and the cool who you can like basically add another raw stripling to this like a guy who in a pinch sure you throw him in a playoff game as a starter like you, you see what happens you know you can get you two times through an order but then if kikuchi and barrios are really finding it in the second season you're great let's put these guys as long men in the pen and use them in specific things and Quintana is as a good slider lefty cool as a good slider righty those would be really good weapons to have in a bullpen so I like that and I think we're talking on the 7th we're going to record again on the 14th and I think there's a very good chance that a move is made in the next week maybe it's more the week after or right up until the deadline but if this rotation stays pitching like this rotation the Blue Jays are going to make a move soon.